Welcome back to Repeal the 20th Century. With me, I have uh, Mark Victor. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. My name's Mark Victor. I am a uh, criminal defense attorney for uh, almost 30 years now. I own a law firm that I founded. The name is the Attorneys for Freedom Law Firm. We're an activist, pro-freedom law firm. All of our attorneys have signed something we call the Live and Let Live Pledge. Uh, said another way, they're all hardcore pro-freedom attorneys. We represent people in uh, criminal cases. That's primarily what I do. Uh, and also civil rights cases, civil litigation cases, personal injury, wrongful death across the United States. We have offices in Chandler and uh, in Honolulu, Hawaii. I'm also a former Marine, served in Desert Storm, honorably discharged. I uh, also have, uh, with the help of some of my friends, have founded a new global peace movement by the name of the Live and Let Live Global Peace Movement, which is a 501c3, a nonprofit, and uh, also will be officially launching in uh, March of 2023. All right. Yep. Thank you for joining me. Um... Because I was a, I was recommended to your movement and you um, via a previous guest, Dr. Edelstein, and I was curious because I wanted to know um, what the movement is all about. Like, what is its goals? What is its practical um, strategy for achieving these goals? And and what will the organization look like when it's you know officially launched? Well, um, we're a, a global peace movement, so obviously achieving uh, some degree of global peace is our goal. Um, our position is that uh, in order for this to happen, we got to simply win more hearts and minds to our way of thinking. There's no special tricks. Uh, we can't smuggle somebody into office. We can't just pick a catchphrase or something like that. We got to actually win hearts and minds. Uh, we don't have to convince everybody. Uh, fortunately, I think we probably only need about a third. I'd be very happy with the third. As you know, the uh, American Revolution was uh, estimated about a third were for revolution, about a third were loyal to the crown, and about a third didn't care. I think it's probably pretty similar today as well. Uh, and so that's the overall goal is to simply win hearts and minds. So how are we going to do this? Well, um, we're currently forming chapters all over the world. We've got many, many chapters in many different countries. Uh, right now, uh, Africa is out, probably out in front. They call themselves Team Africa. We've got about 10 different chapters in 10 different countries in Africa, many different chapters across Europe, lots of different countries there. Uh, Canada's got some chapters and, of course, lots of chapters in the United States. We don't have anything in Asia yet. Um, we do have a chapter leader in Australia as well. And I think we may have something in New Zealand. I'm not 100% sure about that. But uh, the movement is growing pretty quickly uh, because it makes sense. And uh, we can certainly talk about that. But the goal is to persuade more people. Uh, so chapters and meetings and uh, that type of a thing is something we're doing. We also have people running for office. I intend to run for United States Senate here in Arizona. I'm going to run simply as a live and let live guy. And uh, that's how everyone around the world is going to run. Everybody who runs, no matter what party they're in, no matter what country they're in, uh, they're going to say, look, I'm a live and let live guy or live and let live woman or whatever. 
and uh, just keep it simple. We're going to lead with our principle. Uh, we're, we're staying as true to live and let live. If you like that phrase, you're going to love the live and let live movement. All right. Yeah, I think that's very interesting because, you know, we have a lot of, um, you know, college level organizations uh, that kind of preach these messages. A few, I think, uh, off the top of my head, like Young Americans for Liberty or Students for Liberty. Uh, but we don't have a lot in the way of like community um, organizations. And I think it's very interesting to, to, to sort of create these community organizations uh, centered around convincing people of these principles. And what I wanted to um, get more specifically into is just um, uh, what what is your networking looking like to try to get more people into the movement and and establish more chapters? What 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 does the day to day look like for your organization? Well, as I said, we haven't yet kicked off, but mm -hmm. um, you know we don't we're not believers in central planning, and so people do different things. People have different talents. Some people speak, some people write, some people, um, you know, or just talk to their friends or, or do podcasts or whatever. People do different things. And so uh, chapter leaders have to be qualified. They have to understand what the movement is about, where we don't want the movement to go awry like some other movements. I'm thinking about movements like the Tea Party movement, which started out as a very pro-freedom movement and turned into something else. Uh, that's not going to happen with Live and Let Live because we're very careful to make sure that uh, people actually understand and have in their hearts and minds what the nature of the message is. It's, it's really not that complex, uh, but there are some things we don't argue about, like, for example, why should somebody uh, believe in Live and Let Live? Somebody might say, hey, Mark, why should I adopt Live and Let Live? I don't have a good answer for them. Uh, we don't get into arguments about whether natural law is the reason or social contract principles or economics or something Ayn Rand said or any of these other, you know, could be your religion uh, leads you to this conclusion. We don't care how you get to live and let live. We only care that you get to live and let live. Most people do, right? The vast majority of people uh, will say at least at first blush, yeah, of course, live and let live makes sense. And so we talk about uh, what does it mean? I mean, there's only two, two parts to this, right? There's live and then there's let live. Uh, live seems pretty clear, right? Live, you should live your life. You should be in charge of your life. That's what live means. You're in charge of you. Uh, and of course, being in charge of you means you're in charge of your body and your property and your money and your time. I like to say that you should be the iron fisted a dictator of your body, property, money, and time. That's what live is about. Anything else I would say in this space is just simply my suggestions on how you should live. You can completely throw them out the window if you like, but our movement, different than other freedom movements, actually has some suggestions here. Uh, we have a moral principle as well. We call it the live and let live moral principle. You're free to completely ignore it. Uh, we, we can summarize it by simply saying, be a good human. What does that mean? Well, we have aspirational values that sort of offload this idea of being a good human in the moral realm, which are things like uh, open-mindedness, tolerance, voluntary kindness, civility. We think it's important to be able to agree to disagree and uh, have a civilized conversation a commitment to the truth and facts and rational judgments and inferences from the truth, 
Um, justice is important as well. Overall, what we're trying to do in this space is increase or optimize uh, human happiness while decreasing human suffering. That's our goal in the moral realm. These are suggestions about how you should live your life. The second part of the message is let live. And so um, we all like to be the iron-fisted dictators of our own lives, that's fine. But let live means let other people do exactly the same thing. And so we have a legal principle here. Uh, the concept, uh, the way we summarize the legal principle is don't be an aggressor. Don't aggress against other people. What does that mean? Uh, don't initiate force or fraud or be involved in coercion or do anything that would create a substantial risk of harm to another person or their property. So said another way, you're free to do anything you want with your body, property, money, and time so long as you don't do the one thing that you can't do, which is violate the legal principle. And if, if it turns out somebody violated the legal principle, then we uh, would favor giving them a scrupulously fair trial. And then uh, they'd have to face the consequences like any time. Uh, you may have noticed violating the legal principle is a victim crime. That's what I do, criminal law, right? So uh, initiating force on another person, this could be assault, uh, battery, this could be theft or rape or robbery or burglary or murder. Yes, all these things are already against the law. So we will do everything we can to stop you from doing that. If you've already done it, then you get a scrupulously fair trial. If it turns out you're guilty, uh, then you get punished for what you did. That's the one thing you can't do is violate the legal principle. We think that this rule should apply to all people. We don't care uh, whether you're rich or poor, uh, what color your skin is, where you were born, what language you speak, what holidays you celebrate, irrelevant to us. The live and let live rule, the legal principle specifically applies to all people. And it even applies to people if you form a group. So what does this mean? If we, if we form a little group, do we get to violate the legal principle? No. Uh, in fact, why would we even think that's the case? Well, people get confused about this. Uh, sometimes as the groups get bigger, maybe a corporation or the biggest group of all, the government, uh, why on earth would we ever want a corporation or a government to be an aggressor? Now, this doesn't rule out self-defense, of course, because self-defense is not being an aggressor. Self-defense is responding to another person's aggression. So self-defense is perfectly fine. So uh, you can defend yourself, you can defend another person, uh, a group can defend you, a government can defend you, no problem. So that's basically, uh, in a nutshell, uh, what the Live and Let Live movement is about. Like I said, we do not argue about how to get to Live and Let Live. We, you might be surprised, we don't argue uh, about even the size of government. We don't care uh, whether you're for no government, small government, big government. The only thing we have to say is whatever the government does, it shouldn't be allowed to violate the legal principle. That's all we have to say about government. We also don't argue about capitalism or socialism. I think a lot of people are surprised about that. What we care about is whether the legal principle is violated. So um, free market capitalism, where uh, competent adults are simply exchanging goods or services and there's no force or fraud, well, there's nothing about that that violates the rules. So free market capitalism is perfectly fine. What you might call crony capitalism 
where maybe people give money to politicians who then pass laws that advantage one company over another uh, by using force or coercion. Uh, this violates the rule. So crony capitalism is out. Uh, same can be said for socialism. Uh, if people want to get together and pool their resources in a common pile and pay common bills or whatever they want to do, as long as it's voluntary, the rule isn't violated there. So no problem. Voluntary socialism is in. Uh, involuntary socialism, however, uh, when people do exactly what I just described, but then by force drag other people into the arrangement who don't want to be in the arrangement, you might call this involuntary socialism. Well, that's out. Uh, not for any reason other than it violates the rule. We don't have to get into discussions about which is better, which delivers goods and services at the best price, or, or anything about economic curves or anything like that. What we care about is that the legal principle is not violated. So we don't get into those kinds of arguments. We, don't also, we also don't argue about how to implement. There are implementation questions that can be very difficult. Um, our position is that um, there are many difficult implementation questions. What we say in this area is if it's a very hard question where reasonable minds can disagree on how the legal principle applies, then this should be worked out at the lowest level possible. Said another way, the local community should decide which rule should apply or how the rule applies, so long as reasonable minds can disagree. If, un if it's an unreasonable thing, well then, sorry, uh, it's clear it violates the rule and we wouldn't let somebody violate the rule to the best of our abilities. So um, we don't get into implementation arguments, there's no need to. We also don't get into transition arguments, right? There's questions about, okay, um, what if everybody woke up tomorrow morning and decided that they loved live and let live and we're now gonna restructure the world? What should be done first? Uh, questions like, for example, um, should taxes, of course, violate the rule, right? Because taxes are taking somebody's money without their permission. Um, wh what the money is used for is not relevant to the analysis. And lots of times it's used for good purposes that we support, right? Like uh, helping people less fortunate. I'm definitely in favor of that. In fact, uh, this is something our movement absolutely promotes. You heard me mention voluntary kindness, but not involuntary kindness. So taxes are out, but how to transition to that is a different question, right? Some people might say, well, uh, we should stop all taxation immediately tomorrow. Uh, I don't think that's a good idea. I think that would create lots of problems. I think we should transition uh, in a certain way. Some things we should stop immediately, other things we should phase out. Okay, reasonable minds can disagree here. We don't get into arguments about this either. What we want to communicate is that we lead with the principle, the live and let live principle. We break it down into the legal and the moral. The moral you can completely ignore, right? Because moral rules are different than legal rules. Legal rules, if you violate, something's going to happen to you. Moral rules, you can violate all you like. There might be a social consequence, but no formal consequence. That's a very important distinction. And so we lead with the principle. We explain the difference between a moral rule and a legal rule. And then we just keep it simple. Every single issue should always be answered the same way. You might say, hey, Mark, what is the live and let live position on issue X? And I'm going to say, well, thanks for the question. I feel the same way about issue X that I feel about every other issue. We have a principle. 
here's what it means, here's what it says, here's how it works, and now let's just simply apply it. If the principle is being violated, then I'm always against it. If the principle is not being violated, then I, I might say, well, it's immoral, it's unhealthy, it's unwise, or something like that. I, I may even try to talk you out of it, but at the end of the day, if you're not violating the legal principle, the live and let live position is that that conduct ought to be legally permitted. So anyways, that's what it's about in a nutshell. It's a simple message. It's a very workable um, message as well. I, I don't want to leave people with the impression that, oh, this is pie in the sky and it couldn't work. I want to let you know I've been practicing law for almost 30 years now. And uh, incidentally, I mentioned earlier, we have a, a law firm in Honolulu, and this is a very protectionist type of estate. So after uh, almost 30 years of practice, I still had to take the bar exam which was nice because I got a, a thorough review of all of American jurisprudence in many different areas. And I'm here to tell you, the live and let live rule works just fine. In fact, uh, there's not much we would need to change in several areas. Like for example, contract law works pretty well, no problem there. Maybe a few things we'd tweak here and there, but no major changes. Tort law works pretty well, no reason to change much there. Um, real property law is fine. Most of the areas of the law are fine. Criminal law, okay. We need to take the victimless crimes out of the criminal law, right? Because these don't violate the rule. They shouldn't be punished. Uh, criminal procedure, of course, there's some things I would change, but for the most part, there are pretty decent rules. So we, we're not talking about a major upheaval. Things wouldn't look dramatically different uh, out in the world other than the rules would be different, right? Police officers would still be necessary, but they would only be chasing people who violated the legal principle, the live and let live legal principle. Everybody else uh, is to be left alone. And of course, other people are free to uh, try to convince them to act in ways they think are appropriate, but that's the nature of live and let live, right? You gotta live your life however you like, but you also have the obligation of letting other people live their lives as well. So we're a peace movement, and that's what makes us different from a freedom movement. A freedom movement is really just about the legal principle. As you know, the libertarian crowd is pushing what they call the non-aggression principle, very, very similar to our live and let live legal principle, but they don't talk about ethics or morals. And um, I think this leaves a lot of people feeling very unsatisfied. We talk about them, but only uh, in the area that uh, the moral area, we are entirely free uh, to disregard. So take, for example, the question that libertarians get often, which is, okay, uh, can a white supremacist restaurant owner uh, refuse to do business with blacks and Jews and any other, you know, thing, crazy ideas that they have? Well, the libertarian answer is always yes, because the right to trade always includes the right not to trade and nobody is violating the non-aggression principle here. And then the libertarian will generally pivot to an economic argument about, well, this place probably goes out of business for, for all the right reasons, in my opinion. But that's about all the libertarian can say. And in my opinion, this leaves people sort of feeling unsatisfied. As a live and let liver, of course, we can say exactly the same thing, but we can add to that that while this white supremacist restaurant owner should be left alone, as long as they don't violate the legal principle, this person is not part of our movement. Our movement is pushing uh, aspirational values, 
uh, that lead to sort of be a good human involving open-mindedness and tolerance. And the white supremacist certainly isn't acting consistent with that. So while they should be left alone, and we would be first to defend their right to act however they wanted to act, as long as they don't violate the principle, they're just not part of our movement. Our movement, because we're a peace movement, is pushing certain values and principles that, that are required, frankly, to get us to peace. Yeah, I, I think that's very interesting. And uh, I will say, at first, I was a, a little skeptical of the organization because of the framing of live and let live as a term, because uh, many on the right, as you may have noticed, have become very skeptical of this, even in libertarian circles of the term, because the way it's been traditionally used has been almost uh, a moral sanction on any behavior as long as it's not aggressive. But I think you're kind of, you know, redefining it in a way that I think is, is for the positive, which is that, you know, sure, the legal principle is, you know, do not interfere with their life, do not, you know, use aggression against them. But you're not straying away from saying there is behavior that is bad, there is behavior that must change. Um, but, you know, we're not going to use the state to do that. We will use community organizing, we will use the community, which I think personally is, is the strongest actor for doing so is the strongest force for doing so and i really think that that's good but i, I did want to ask you though is, is um where you think the the movement differentiates itself from other organizations um you know like again the libertarian party or any campus-wide organization in its its goals of promoting this legal principle, which you said is is very similar to the non-aggressional principle, um, and also condemning certain personal behavior at the same time, where does where does your organization differentiate on that? Well, we're much more ambitious because we're a global peace movement, and so we're not necessarily we're not just advocating for say a free society. We're advocating for global peace. And that's a much bigger project. And that's what requires us to bring in the, the aspirational values. As an example, uh, imagine we're both neighbors and uh, uh, I come out every morning and I don't like you and you don't like me. And uh, I see you and I yell horrible things at you and you yell horrible things back at me, but neither of us trespasses on the other. We don't take any aggressive action against each other. I would say that we're living in freedom, right? Because nobody is violating the legal principle, but we're sure not living in peace, right? Peace requires something in addition to simply complying with the legal principle or the non-aggression principle, if you will. And that's the aspect that we are pushing. Frankly, uh, it's not just about, um, there, there's actually two aspects, two reasons we're pushing this. Number one, because without talking about ethics and morals, we don't have an opportunity to distinguish the critically important difference between a legal rule and a moral rule. If you're only talking about legal rules, you're, you don't have an opportunity to make this distinction that's very important, in fact, critically important to make. The second thing is because we need to talk about these things. We gotta stand up and say, hey, let's be more civilized. Let's be open-minded and tolerant towards each other. These are things, especially now, that need to be said to the world. And we're saying them very proudly 
Um, and with passion, we believe very strongly in the moral principle, this be a good human stuff that we're pushing. Again, it's all, it's all in the area of persuasion. None of it's in coercion. You can say to me, Mark, I completely, I hate this idea of be a good human. I would say back to you, well, okay, you're not a good candidate for the live and let live movement, but I would absolutely support your right to be left alone. But I demand that you comply with the live and let live legal principle. Think about what I'm saying here. I'm demanding that you don't aggress against me or other people. And that's exactly perfectly reasonable in my view. So um, lots of times with live and let live, we lead with the moral principle. Think about a discussion, for example, with some of our friends on the left, the Bernie Sanders types, who, who might at first blush seem very, very far from a live and let live position, but I would argue not necessarily so. What I would say to Bernie Sanders is, hey, Bernie, I would say, brother Bernie, um, we are in agreement on many, many things. In fact, I share your passion for wanting to help those who are less fortunate than us. I share your passion for wanting to make sure people have access to uh, healthcare and to education. We're exactly on the same page here. The only point we disagree on is I see this as a moral issue, a moral imperative, if you will. You see it as a legal issue. You're importing your ethical values, moral values into the law. And there's a big problem here, right? Because uh, it's not just us who will be wanting to import moral values into the law. There are groups of people all over the world who have different ideas about morality, and they'll want to import those into the law. So there's only two ways to respond here. Number one is, sorry, uh, our morals are better than your morals. Ours go into the law and yours don't. You could see just by me saying that, that it, it creates this kind of a situation. That's where we are now, where people are fighting each other to impose their morality on other people through the law. The other option, the one that we are advocating for, is to say, look, even though uh, we may agree on our moral, our moral views or our, our ethical positions here, those come out of the law as well. Even our own moral and ethical views should be out of the law. So then we can respond to the other people and say, look, your position on morality and ethics are out of the law. So's mine. We, we should, for the sake of peace and freedom on the planet Earth, we all should agree to take our ethics out of the law and leave just this basic, what you might call the least common denominator of morality this don't be an aggressor um, sort of position. That's what we should have in the law. The law should be very simple. We gotta be careful with the law because if you violate a law, there are real formal societal consequences. You could go to jail. So we wanna keep this very basic. And again, look, if everybody observed live and let live, there's no doubt in my mind, we would optimize human happiness and well-being, And not only that, but standards of living as well. We know the world would be so much better off. And unless you're one of the thugs who is benefiting from coercion and force against other people, life for everybody else will be better on the planet. And as this message gets spread, this is a very easy position. In fact, I would go so far as to say no reasonable person would agree with any, would disagree with anything I've said here, right? Because by definition, to disagree with what I'm saying is to say you're for aggression. And if you're for aggression, 
you're not for reason, right? And reason is, is when we use words as our tools to persuade and not force. And I would even go a step further than that and say, not only is it unreasonable to disagree with what it is we're promoting, but probably you're a hypocrite if you do, because you don't want, I will say it like this, you don't want people to use aggression against you. In fact, the people who would say, Mark, I disagree with you, if I would say, well, would you, what would you do if somebody tried to take your wallet by force or push you or something like that? Very certain that they would say, well, of course I would try to stop them. And so then I would have immediately point out, so, well, you're for aggression against other people, but not for aggression against you. This makes you a hypocrite. But I think this position, I certainly don't lead with this. This is for people who fully understand what it is that we're saying and still reject it. And I think this is a small minority of people. So as I tell the chapter leaders around the world when we have our meetings, and Frank, we're having one on Saturday, we have a meeting once a month with the chapter leaders. I say, look, the only thing standing between us and success here is our ability to deliver this message to enough people in a way that they understand. If we can get that done, there's no question in my mind, there are enough people out in the world who will accept the message that we're presenting for the sake of peace and freedom and really optimizing human well-being. All right, yeah. I think you explained the organization very well and, and answered a lot of my questions and I think a lot of viewers' questions, but I also wanted to ask just a little bit about um, your org other organization that you mentioned, because um, that also very much interests me, um, that being uh, it was Lawyers for Freedom, I believe. Attorneys for Freedom. Attorneys for Freedom. My bad. I, I knew it was one of the two words, but um, because I think that's an aspect of, of, of achieving these goals and these um, these principles in the real world and really seeing them throughout that is often ignored is, is that kind of legal activism that, um, you know, trying to change the precedent, trying to defend your everyday person. And I wanted to ask you just about kind of your your day to day with that and your successes with that. Well, um, as you might imagine, being the attorneys for freedom, we get lots of people who come into our firm and want to bring uh, cases related to freedom issues. Uh, many of them are mistaken. Like, for example, uh, right now we, we get inundated with people who have questions about masks um, and, and forced vaccinations and things like this. And the typical situation is someone will come in and say, hey, you know, I was uh, trying to enter the supermarket and they had a sign that said, you have to have a mask to enter and uh, it's my face and they don't have any right to tell me. And so I entered without a mask and sometimes they get charged with trespass or something like that. And then they come in to see us and they think they have a freedom issue. And I explain to them, no, you're on the wrong side of the issue. And they look at me like I'm crazy. And I say, look, the, the question isn't about whether or not the owner of the store has made a wise rule. They may have made a ridiculous rule. That's a different question. The question is, who should get to make the rule? And of course, the property owner, the person who owns the property, right? When I say you're in charge of your body, property, money, and time, well, your property is your store. If that's something you own, the store owner gets to make the rule. It's exactly the same issue. Sometimes the gun crowd comes in and they're upset because they see a sign that says, no guns allowed in our store, and they want to sue, and they claim Second Amendment or something. And I have to explain to them that, no, they're on the wrong side of the issue. 
Um, the property owner gets to make the rule, whether you like the rule or not is a different discussion. Um, and then there are cases that we take, like, for example, when the government is imposing a rule about masks or vaccinations. Well, now it becomes a freedom issue, right? Because the property owner should make that decision. The, the owner of the body, in the case of the vaccination, or the owner of the store, maybe the employer even. The employer has a right to make whatever rule they want in terms of um, what the conditions of employment are. The employee has every right to say, I accept or I reject. So that's perfectly fine. So when we get to cases where the government is imposing a rule, now we got a freedom issue. And we've taken lots of those cases. In fact, I was the first lawyer to sue the governor in Hawaii over their travel restrictions and masking requirements and all this other stuff. We sued in federal court, we've sued in state court, as you know, and we're still on appeal on some of these cases. But as you know, courts have sort of let us down on some of these uh, questions and they've sided with what I would call the emergency exception to the constitution, uh, if you will, this notion that, well, the governor's declared an emergency, they can basically be the iron-fisted dictator of everybody until they decide they don't wanna be anymore. Um, we've had several other cases every once in a while. We'll take a case pro bono uh, on a freedom issue because we feel very strongly. And so we say here at our firm, we take it for the freedom of the thing. We do that sometimes. Uh, and then of course, there's always your standard uh, victimless crimes. The system is packed with them. This would be all drug cases from possession to manufacture, to transportation, to sale. They're all victimless crimes. Uh, the system is packed with these. Uh, I often make the point in court of how crazy it is that we send uh, people to prison when there's not even a victim, when nobody's even upset. This also encompasses prostitution crimes, gambling crimes. Of course, I'm assuming here we're dealing with competent adults, right? If you're not dealing with competent adults, then we're in a different category. But if you're dealing with competent adults who are making decisions over their body, property, money, time, there's no problem here, um, or at least there's no legal problem. You might still take a position and say this is an immoral way to live and try to talk people out of it or into it, whatever. There's also many uh, gun crimes out there that have nothing to do with violating the legal principle, like, for example, uh, the length of your barrel or the serial number is incorrect or some other, whether you have a silencer or something like that. In the absence of creating a substantial risk to another person. This isn't, in our opinion, a real crime. So we do lots and lots of these types of cases as well. Yeah, I, I, I think that's very interesting. And I think it's good work. Um, and one that's often not considered is, is just, you know, getting these legal battles in against mandates and, and different things. And I, I appreciate your work. And I, and I'm glad to give you a platform to talk about it and, and promote it. Um, I think we are going to wrap up, though. So uh, if you do have anything you want to promote, uh, I usually give my guests this opportunity to do that here. Uh, is there anything particular that besides, you know, obviously organizations, um, but anything else, including that? And I'll make sure to link those in the description. Yeah. yeah, I would just say to people, if they like some of the things that I've been talking about, then go to live and let live dot org. Uh, check out the movement there. Join the movement. We're trying to get enough people involved. Joining the movement's not a big deal. Um, you got to sign the pledge, which is the same pledge that all my lawyers have to sign in order to be eligible for employment 
at the Attorneys for Freedom law firm, basically says, look, you know what the principle is, you understand it, you agree with it, um, you're going to live your life in accordance with the principle, this isn't a big deal, uh, I can agree to not be an aggressor, right? So um, join the movement, all we need from you is an email, which we're not going to share with anybody, but we're going to keep you updated on the launch of the movement in March of 23 and uh, various things that are occurring. So do that. If you're more interested and, and enthused, start a chapter. If there's not a chapter where you are, reach out and say, look, I want to start a chapter. This isn't a big deal. Run a meeting once a month. We'll help you. We'll run the meetings. We'll do whatever we can do to help. We'll appear at the meetings. Let's, let's help and, and uh, grow this movement. If you're in a position to donate money, money is always important. We're a 501c3. You can get a tax deduction on that. And then if you're interested in the Attorneys for Freedom law firm, it's just attorneysforfreedom.com. And uh, again, pro-freedom law firm, I only hire lawyers who are, I like to say they're sort of uh, wild wolves foaming at the mouth to go to court. We're not, uh, we're trial lawyers at this firm. We're not afraid to go to court and uh, to take things to appeals. I've been to the Ninth Circuit several times and argue. We especially like to argue freedom cases. So um, feel free to reach out. And also, I'll say this, if you disagree with anything um, that I've said here, I'd also like to hear from you. I remain open-minded. If I got something wrong, happy to change my position on it as well. And then just as a final thought, we do a podcast called Peace Radicals. You can find that at the Live and Let Live website. We bring in guests. Um, we're very aggressively looking for people who disagree with us uh, to come in and talk Live and Let Live and tell us where we got it wrong. So I appreciate the opportunity to uh, throw those shameless plugs out there. Yeah, no problem at all. And I'll make sure all of these things are accessible in the description. Um, and I do suggest for my viewers that you do check this out and uh, you consider joining or supporting or doing any of the things that uh, he talked about. But thank you so much for coming on, and I appreciate you uh, giving us your time. Thanks, Peyton. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Peace, brother. No problem.